I'll ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Probably didn't think we were going there today, but that's where we're going to be. Uh, and as you do that, I'll, I'll just invite you to pull out your bulletins and have that with you. I've got my main points on here. Uh, now, just a little note. I know sometimes uh, maybe it gets confusing. When I, when I put it on here, this is just to help you. It's just to help you kind of remember some of the things that we talk about. What I really want you to do with these on the back of your bulletins, yeah, you can fill out the, the fill-in blanks there if you want to know what Pastor Dean had to say. But as we're going through our sermons, I hope that you take advantage of this blank space back here uh, where it says, how can I apply this to my own heart and life? I, I hope that you take your notes. Maybe, like, maybe you have a notebook, and that's great too. But as you think about your notes, I hope that's something that kind of sticks in your head of how can I actually apply this to my heart and life? Well, um, if you have that with you, let's, let's turn to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3, and we'll kind of do a little bit of jumping around, not as much as we did last week, uh, because we're following through in Luke chapter 3, when, when we have the genealogy of Jesus Christ as shown from Joseph's side of the family, uh, that, that we, we traced it out and we looked at a couple people, right? We're, we're picking out four different individuals. Last week we looked at Boaz. And what it means that Jesus Christ is the son of Boaz. We looked at how he's a kinsman redeemer just like Jesus is for us. That he, he came down, he was in human flesh, and he redeemed us from our sin. Uh, today we're going to be looking at what does it mean that Jesus is the son of Abraham. Uh, and so we got to know, just like what we did last week, of all right, well, who's Boaz? We got to ask ourselves, who is Abraham? And I know that many of us know who Abraham is. We, we, we know that he's the founder of Israel and all of that. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at really when everything changed in, in Abraham's life. So Genesis chapter 12, uh, starting at verse 1, we'll read, and then we'll pray, and then we'll study it together. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you glory once again that we can talk to you. That we have access uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to come before you and ask that you would be with us. Uh, God, I pray that as we talk about uh, Abraham this morning, as we look at your word and how Jesus is the fulfillment uh, of everything that you promised to Abraham, I pray that you would help us to have faith. I pray that you would help us to trust in you even more through what you have to say to us this morning. I pray that you would rid us of the distractions that are in our minds whether that is just task-oriented things or maybe there's sin in our minds that we're, uh, we're letting uh, be a barrier between you and us. I pray that, that through the gospel that we would wreck that down and, and that we would be able to focus on what you have for us today, that we would be closer to you through your word. Uh, I pray that you would help us to understand. I pray for the Holy Spirit to be moving in each one of our hearts this morning. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I mentioned uh, to the kids, uh, we're going to be talking about promises today. Uh, specifically, three promises that God makes to Abraham. But uh, as a little bit of a setup, we know Christmas time is busy, right? Maybe you've already felt it. 
uh, of Christmas parties at, at work or some kind of social group or even all the activities that we have in our church. Uh, there is a lot going on during Christmas season, right? You've got to balance all of it. And sometimes when you're saying things, maybe you've done it. I know I have as a parent uh, of promising my, my sons something and saying, oh, you know, daddy will do this. And then to have to go back and say, daddy's very sorry that he didn't do that. Uh, we, we make promises and we break promises, right? Uh, depending on, on what's going on. It's not right, but we do it. Uh, but we know from the word of God that God never breaks his promises. And while that's such a simple truth, the good that that could do our souls when we're really in the midst of strife uh, is unbelievable. So today we're going to be looking at uh, three promises, but really focusing in on the third one uh, that actually means, you know, we, we're going to be talking about Israel. And you might think, well, I'm not, I'm not Jewish, so how does, that, how does that relate to me? Well, just hold in there. We, we got that third promise that is directly to us. So we'll be talking about these promises and why they're so important. Uh, today we'll see why. So let's look at this guy, uh, Abraham or Abram. Well, who is he? Where did he come from? Well, we have verse 27 of chapter 11. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The names of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, and the daughters of Haran, the father of uh, uh, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was born; she had no child. Terah took Abram his sons and Lot, uh, the the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son uh, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So we see right off the bat, Abram, who is he? A nobody. <laughs> you know, sometimes we look at people and we go, all right, well, Boaz, we could look at him, and we know, all right, well, he's, he's going to be uh, the, the grandfather uh, of, or the great-grandfather uh, of David. That's, that's really important, right? And he seemed like we talked about how he was like a shining knight. Like, he, he was just like... Or like a stellar guy, right? But Abram, we don't have that much told about him. He's in Ur of the Chaldeans, which uh, some scholars would say that maybe maybe that's the early Babylon. So we have like a, a city there. But then he goes into Canaan. What's in Canaan? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Just a, a couple of nomadic groups that would roam around and, and war with each other. It, it, it was a desolate place. And, and here we have uh, right off the bat. Abram's just kind of going out there. And then we have God talking to him. So right off the bat, we can see that Abraham, he's a random guy. He's a random guy. He's really nothing special. There's nothing about this guy that you would say, all right, God is going to really do something amazing with him, right? Sometimes we do that with people, maybe even in the church. And we say, all right, well, that person, oh, man, they, like they're just great with people. They got a great... Uh, like they have a, a great talent or something like that. And we're just, I could see how God can use that person to do awesome things, right? Well, that's not Abram. Uh, he, he's a random guy. We don't see anything special really about him. But God is going to make him special. God is going to make him special. How does he do that? Well, by speaking to him. Now, verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 12. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, so this is special. God doesn't just do this all the time. He doesn't just show up and say, hey, I have something to tell you, Bob. I have something to tell you, Bill. Uh, he doesn't just show up to anybody. This is unique. So God is showing up and he's talking to Abram and he's telling him to do something. He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will do this. Let's stop. What is this? Well, maybe uh, if you have like a, a headline in your Bible, it will say something to the effect of the Abrahamic covenant. This is the foundation of it. This is a covenant between God and Abraham. Well, what is a covenant? Maybe some of us know, but maybe some of us don't. Uh, a covenant, in its simplest terms, is an agreement between two parties. All right, uh, You can think of it as a, a really formal handshake in the Old Testament world. Uh, but it's a little different in that it, it's between a Lord and his servants. All right, so, so this isn't just two equal parties having, having a relationship and saying, I'm going to do this as long as you do that, and we're good. Uh, no, this is a Lord coming in, so uh, a higher up, looking to his servant and saying, I'm going to do this as long as you do this. So there's two different aspects of this. First, we see that there is a covenant er and a covenant e. All right, so, so there's someone who makes the covenant who says this is what is going to happen and there's someone who is affected by that decision all right so who is the covenanter in this relationship it's god god is the covenanter he comes into the situation he is higher up than abram and he says this is the deal abram this is what's going to happen all right what else can we see from this well uh, there there are conditional covenants and unconditional covenants all right, so in other words, you can think of it like a business deal today. All right, if, if you were going to have someone work on your house, you better know what they're going to cost you, right? You want to see the estimate and you want to agree upon a price before uh, they start working on the house, right? You'd want that in paper and have that signed, right, and put it in a special place because you don't want to lose that, right? Yeah, all right, I don't see anyone going, okay. <laughs> but yeah, we understand that, right? So, so here... This is a conditional covenant. Now, some people get a little upset when I say that because, wait, wait, wait. I thought the Abrahamic one, I memorized it, that is unconditional. There is a condition here to this covenant. What is the condition? Verse 1, go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and then I will do this. All right, so there is one condition on this covenant. Go. Now, you might think, that's not a big deal. I could do that. But what he's saying is go out on your own. Away from your dad. Away from your family. Away from wealth. He's saying you, just on your own, take your wife and you go out into the wilderness. That is a huge requirement for this, con uh, for this conditional covenant. Of saying, alright, you got to believe me. Right? We have politicians who do that today and say, believe me, all the time. All right, we know not to believe them, but when God says it, we go, okay, he, he's, he's got a good track record. We can trust him on this. He says, go, and so he does that. And what is the covenant then? What is the agreement? If Abram goes and follows through with his side of going out from his father's house into the land that God is going to show him, what is going to be the result? What is God going to do for him? 
Well, three different and unique things. All right, here's the aspects of the covenant. First one. The first one is that he's going to make him into a nation. Verse 2. And I will make of you a great nation. Let's jump over to Genesis 15, verses 1 through 5. Because over several chapters, we have a little bit more brought into this covenant uh, that we have. All right, here's the initial one in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And then we have, all right, here's a little bit more on this aspect. Here's a little bit more on this aspect throughout the next three chapters. So uh, Genesis 15, let's look at verses 1 through 5. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So not directly talking, but in a vision this time. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your offspring be. So here's a little bit more insight about what that initial promise is. He's going to have a nation. Of course, we know the background. Abram and Sarah, they couldn't have kids. Sarah was barren. All right, so, so we have this miraculous promise that, no, this guy, Eleazar, he's not who I'm talking about. You're going to have your own son, and through him, uh, you're going to have this huge nation that's going to come against or uh, come after you. All right, so... Who is this nation? I think if we all, all know our Bible, we could say, yeah, we know it's Israel. All right, this is why Israel is important. I'm not going to talk about it too much today, uh, but Israel is still important within God's system, all right, within what God is working in the world. We need to pray uh, for the peace of Jerusalem. We are told that in the Word of God. We need to continue in that. Israel is a special nation. They're God's people. Why? Because He wanted it that way. Because out of all the families in the world, he looked at Abram and said, that one. Uh, he, and it was his will that, that he did that. So we have to trust in that and say, okay, all right. So he gives him this promise. There's going to be this nation that's going to come after him. That's pretty great, right? That's a pretty good benefit of uh, being in this covenant, this agreement with God. All right, but what else does he say? Well, we're going to skip over a couple of verses. We're going to go down to verse 7 and see the second aspect of, uh, of the covenant. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Alright, so first part of the covenant, there's going to be a nation, lots of people. Uh, and we see in fifth, uh, chapter 15 that's going to be through his own son. Alright, so nation, and now they're going to live somewhere. Alright, they're going to have a place of their very own. I will give them this land. What is this land? Let's jump over to chapter 17. Like I said, here we have a little bit of like the overall thing, and then he kind of goes into, it's much like Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. You get the overall story and then a little bit more detail throughout. All right, so let's jump over to 17, verse 8. And if you're very interested, uh, uh, chapter 15, verses 17 through uh, 21 gets into the details of like the, the dimensions of this nation. But we'll look at 17, verse 8. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, or where you're traveling, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Simple. How long do they get this land? Forever. 
Right? This is why today in 2017, even though we have the church, we can say that Israel is distinct. They're distinct within what God is doing in the world. And we still understand that God, if he keeps his promises, he's going to fulfill his promise and he's going to give them that land. All right, so that's why we would always want to take the side of Israel and all those squabbles that we hear about around the world. Right? Because God is going to fulfill his promise to them and give them that land. So that's the second aspect. Now, so far, does that apply to us? No, right? Like That's just Abraham and his offspring. And uh, if you're not Jewish here today, that doesn't apply to you. Right? I, don't, I don't get a piece of that land. I don't get like a little uh, acre over there that I get to go and live in in Israel. No, that's not for me. That's for Israel itself. So what is the promise then that applies to us? Why are we talking about this today? Well, the third aspect. The third aspect of the covenant. So you get a nation. He's going to get, uh, give that nation a place to live forever. And what else is he going to give them? Uh, following through in verse 2. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, in Abraham. All right, so on the back of your bulletins, the means of blessing is Abraham. The means of blessing is Abraham. It's through him. Through him, and what's going to come from him? That all the world is going to be blessed. All right, so, so I'm not going to, we're going to keep our cards up our sleeve for a little bit, and we'll talk about the blessing here in a little bit. But Abraham is the means of blessing. It's through him. So who is this blessing for then? All right, because if we're not looking at the text, we could easily go, all right, well, if there's blessing involved, then it must be for Abraham, right? Like he's, he's the one in the covenant after all. Uh, so it must be for Abraham or maybe his descendants uh, if we're not looking at the text. But we need to. Look at the text because it's not for him or not even just for his family. What does he say? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of the families of the earth. It's interesting the wording there doesn't just say everyone. He says all the families referring to descendants who would come later. All right. So it's not just everyone living at that time that they're going to be blessed through through whatever is going on with Abraham. But everyone throughout all of time will be blessed through this one man and his faith in going forward out of the land uh, of his father. All right, so, so when he does that, everyone is going to be blessed. There's going to be something special that is going to come through him for everyone. So uh, that's us. That's where we come in. That's where we say, okay, that, that, that's something that applies to me. All right, I'm a Gentile. Right? Um, and if we understand Israel uh, or Jews versus Gentiles, Gentiles just means nations. All right? so, so that's the distinction that we see in the Old Testament. We fit into the, that category that we're just the rest, right? the rest of the world. Wherever you came from, whether you're here from Canada or, or like me, you have descendants from Italy. Uh, I'm not Jewish, but I fit into this category of all the nations. So here's where it applies to me, that I will be blessed. You will be blessed. Because of Abraham. Now let's stop for a minute and say, wait, isn't Abraham that horrible husband that I heard about? Right? Like uh, if you're reading through the Old Testament, the one who says two different times, Sarah is my sister and then horrible things happen to her. Like that's pretty terrible. Uh, are we talking about the Abraham who's a constant liar? 
Are we talking about that Abraham? Are we talking about the Abraham who kept on sinning? All right, like we could go through and say, wow, Abraham is not perfect. Not in the slightest. He is a flawed individual. But yet, through him, God is going to do something incredible. Why? Well, let's flip over a page again to Genesis 15, verse 6. Maybe the most important verse for Abraham. Uh, he says, And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. That's the gospel, folks. He believed him. That's it. He wasn't a perfect man. He didn't have everything lined out that he knew exactly what God wanted for him and fulfilled on that every single time. He believed God. And God counted it to him as righteousness. That's what happens for us in the great exchange. We believe in Jesus. And we believe what he did on the cross for us in our place for our sin. And if we do that, we get the righteousness of Christ applied to us. Worthless sinners. So we become righteous in the eyes of God. That's what's happening here for Abraham. That's why God is going to use him. All right, not because he was great, but because he believed him. All right. Another thing that we see from this, all the families of the earth being blessed, is that we're not a plan B. Uh, some theologians get that wrong. Uh, of going, all right, well, it's because Israel failed uh, in, in believing God. Uh, and trusting in him when they crucified Christ, that uh, that God just said, "Then now I'm going to turn to the Gentiles because you guys are rotten people, and, and you're not you're not fulfilling your end." So I'm going to go over there. Now some of that is kind of true, but we can see right from the beginning that God was desiring to bring salvation to who? Spoilers: the blessing is Jesus Christ. Who is He going to bring this to? The world. Me and you. We're not a plan B. It's not like God was uh, sitting there when Jesus was getting crucified and going, Oh man, they're, they're wrecking everything. What am I going to do? Holy Spirit, tell me. He's, he's not looking and uh, like stumbling over himself trying to figure things out and reacting to man. No, he's outside of time. And he looks at this and he knows exactly what is going to happen. And he has intention here of bringing salvation, of bringing the gospel of bringing Jesus to everyone. So we're not a plan B. God is sovereign. Like we see in uh, Ephesians 1, before the foundation of the world, He put the plan of salvation into motion. So we see God's sovereignty on display here. So the scope, while the means of the blessing is Abraham, number two on the back of your bulletin is the scope of blessing is the whole world. The scope of blessing is the whole world. All right, now I already said it, but what is this blessing? How is the world going to be blessed through Abraham? Well, uh, we can jump to our, our passage here in, in Luke chapter 3. Let's jump real quick there. And let's see if I can get some names right. Starting at verse 23. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matthet, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jenna, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Elsie, uh, the son of Nagai, the son of Maith, the son of Matthias, the son of Salmon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of Resha, the son of Zerbebel, uh, the son of Sheltael, 
the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosum, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eleazar, the son of Joram, the son of Methan, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Elikim, the son of Milia, the son of Mena, the son of Methada, and the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nashon, the son of Abinadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. We can see it. That was, that was a lot. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, really, when you start to get into those, just, the Matthias just keeps on going. All right. Uh, but we can see it clearly laid out. How is the world blessed through Abraham? We see it in the lineage. It's where we get Jesus. It's where we get everything that we know about God, apart from creation, up through Genesis 12. Imagine, if we don't have Abraham, and God isn't going to work through Abraham, what do we know about God? That he's there. And that's pretty much it. All the revelation that we have throughout the rest of the Old Testament, all that we have in Jesus Christ, we have because of Abraham. Truly, the world has been blessed through Abraham because we have Jesus through him. So we have been blessed. The identity of this blessing is Jesus. That's number three in the back of your bulletins here. The identity of this blessing is Jesus. So how is Jesus a blessing to us? Well, it's Christmas time, right? It's Christmas time. This is, this is something that we think about. All right, well, what does Jesus do for us? I think we can really summarize it in three different ways. How are we blessed in Jesus Christ? First, redemption. Right? That's what we talked about last week with Boaz. That we were in sin. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, who was, had no entanglements, right? Uh, he, he was the kinsman. He, he was wealthy enough to pay the debt that we, had, uh, we have owed to God because of our sin. And he pays that for us. He buys us out of the slavery of sin and redeems us. He makes it so that we're holy before God, righteous. We have justification in Jesus Christ. Yes, that is a blessing that we have in Jesus. What else do we have? We have reconciliation. Not only am I declared righteous before God, but now I'm called His Son. Now I get all the the blessings of being part of the family of God. I get to go and talk with Him. Right? If we, we look in Paul's writing, I, I get to cry out to him in prayer. How, how am I praying? Abba, Father. Heavenly Father. I get to call him Dad. There's a reverent way to do that, of course. But I get to have that relationship with God Almighty, me, a sinner. How? Through Jesus. We're reconciled. A loving family. Even though I was in sin before. What else do we have? Restoration. Look at the grand scope of history. Look at the garden. How beautiful it was. How perfect everything was. And then what happened? We ruined it. And then since then, it's been wars and fighting and bloodshed and sin and rape and murder and all those kinds of horrible things. Well, through Jesus Christ... There is going to be restoration. 
I was visiting with Violet this week, and we were talking about how awesome heaven is going to be. Uh, and she was going into detail about it, and, and how she said, there, there's not going to be any crying. And Yah said, yes, remember Revelation 21. He will wipe away every tear from every eye. Uh, on, at night, I, I read with my sons the Jesus Storybook Bible. And, and there's sometimes... Uh, by the way, if you're looking for one for a kid, I know I've said it before, it is the Bible to get for your children. Uh, it just shows the gospel in such a clear way, in such a moving way. A lot of times when I'm talking with them, I start crying because of just how beautiful they put it. One of the things that they, they're constantly doing, it's Martin Lloyd-Jones' daughter who wrote it. Um, but uh, one of the things that they do is Jesus is making all the sad things come untrue. When, when he does a healing, like, like when he heals Jairus' daughter. I just read that to, to, to my boys just the other night. And, and at the very end, they put that. Jesus is making all the sad things come untrue. Jesus is mending God's broken world. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus is going to do at the end. When he conquers everything and he, we, we lift him up and say glory to God and we throw uh, all of ourselves in front of him and worship and it's going to be awesome, right? All the thousands and thousands, millions of people throughout all of time singing praise to Jesus Christ. Why are we doing that? Because he fixed everything. Because he, he made all those sad things that we made because of our sin come untrue. He fixed it. He made it right. He restored it. And He does that for us even individually. He restores us. Before Christ, how can we please God? We can't. Right? We just constantly sin, right? Well, after we have Jesus Christ come into our life, we have the Holy Spirit who enables us to be a new creature. Right? 1 Corinthians 5.17 We are new creatures. Behold, all things have passed away. Everything is now new. We have that because of Jesus. So yes, we, we get salvation. Yes, we get, we get joy in this life. But also the future. We have restoration because of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus is a blessing to the whole world. That's why we have to go and preach it. right? Because He's the fulfillment of this promise of thousands of years ago. This wasn't... 1456, that we, the world has just been waiting for, for this promise uh, to be fulfilled through Abraham for 500 years. We're talking about thousands of years ago uh, that, that God promises that there is going to be a blessing to the whole world through him. And then he fulfills it. He follows through. So what does that mean? That means we can trust him. It's as simple as that. We can trust Jesus. We can trust God because He always follows through with His promises. Now, it might take longer than we think. Right? I'm sure Abraham was like, oh, great. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a blessing to the whole world tomorrow. Right? Or, or I'm going to have this nation tomorrow. I'm going to have this son at least tomorrow. Right? How long does it take? Years. God doesn't give him Isaac for years. But he follows through in his timing. So maybe you're there and you're thinking, well, I don't really feel like God's holding up to his end of the bargain here uh, of him. All the things I read in the New Testament of blessings that I have in Christ, the fulfillment of all these things. I don't feel that. Trust him. 
He follows through with his promises. Ones that are small, ones that are big. He's going to follow through. So trust God. Have faith like Abraham. Let it be said of you. And he believed the Lord and he counted to him his righteousness. Believe God. Trust in him. Trust God because he always delivers. Trust God because he never fails. Trust God because he chose you. Trust God because he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you praise. We give you praise that thousands of years ago you set everything in motion. Uh, even before we had time, you set things in motion for us to be redeemed from our sin. But even as we look at this story thousands of years ago, you spoke to Abram and you said, I'm going to do this. And, and, and he believed you and it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, but God, you did that amazing thing. You made him into a great nation. You made him um, into a nation where they could reside in this land. And we know that you are going to fulfill that. We even see things happening this week about that. But God, even beyond that, you made it so that he was going to be a blessing to the whole world. And we know that's through Jesus Christ. God, I know I've been blessed by him. I give you praise for that. I know that many of my friends here in this room have been blessed by him. But I do pray for those who maybe have never done that. Maybe tr never trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't, they don't know. They've never experienced that blessing of Jesus. I pray that they would today. God, I pray that we would trust you. When we, when we go into this busy Christmas season and we're wondering how we're going to make it through, maybe even some of us, uh, Lord, I, I think of Violet, I, I think of Pastor Steve, I think of others who have experienced grief this year. And maybe some of us are going into Christmas with um, maybe not the, the, the brightest of hopes and joys. Um, but Lord, I pray that we would trust in you even now. Uh, Lord, maybe some of us have a really hard week ahead of us. Uh, things that we need to do. I pray that we would trust you. Because you will get us through. You always deliver. You never fail. You are a sovereign God. I pray that we would trust you, that we would have faith. That, Lord, regardless, even Abram, looking around at his circumstances, if he was just to look around at the, the world he lived in, there was no reason for him to trust you. He, he, he didn't have things going for him. He was just a random guy with a family. Lord, let us not look to our circumstances for the standard that we have to trust you, but let us look to you. And hope in you. Let us be like Hezekiah in the face of Sennacherib and, and Assyria coming at him, sieging Jerusalem. Let us cry out to you and say, we trust you, God. We trust you to protect us. We trust you to help us to endure. Lord, let us do that today. I pray that through this Christmas season that we would look at just the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, ones that we didn't even mention today, ones of being part of, uh, of the community of faith. That we're, in, we're in a local church that we have people who care about us, who pray for us, Lord, who want to be there for us. We have that because of Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that we would trust you even more today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.